0: From a secret location in room 100 of 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard, this is Kraft. I'm your host, Doug Dangler. Lisa Black is a fingerprint examiner and crime scene investigator, as well as a New York Times best-selling author. She has testified in more than 50 homicide trials, and starting in 2005, she has written 10 novels. She'll appear with Thurber House's Evenings with Authors on Thursday, September 21st. More information is available on the Kraft.com website website welcome to craft lisa black thank you thanks well your latest book is unpunished which explores the death of a copy editor at a fictional cleveland newspaper who's found hanging above the wheels of the paper's printing press and it's the second uh, of of your books to feature forensic investigator maggie gardner and homicide detective jack renner tell me a little bit more about unpunished
1: Well, the characters are, um, Maggie is a crime scene investigator and latent print examiner for the Cleveland Police Department, and, you know, she basically works in the lab. She's not a cop. She's a civilian employee, so, you know, she doesn't carry a gun. She just does the the crime scene work and photographs and stuff like that, so it's, it's nothing glamorous. She's kind of in the background. Nobody pays a lot of attention to her. And then Jack Renner is a homicide detective, and he has sort of a sideline that was introduced in that darkness that, unbeknownst to anyone else, he was ridding Cleveland of its worst criminals, the ones that they could never get into a court of law, and basically executing them in as humanely and, and calmly as he could. And... To him, this is just the right thing to do, and how that all comes, I don't want to give away too much about the first book, but basically they are in a very uneasy truce, he and Maggie, because they each have something that could sink the other, and for their own best interest, they need to keep this secret, Mm -hmm. and it's weighing on her very heavily. So this unpunished begins as she's still dealing with the fallout of what she learned about Jack and, and about herself in the first book. And there's begins a series of murders at this newspaper. And I kind of decided to set it at a newspaper on a whim. I just, the idea popped in my head and I thought, well, that's a great place to have a murder, because you don't know is it about a story that someone didn't want written or that someone did want written, or has it got nothing to do with a story at all? Is it just the conflict between two coworkers and you know what's going on here and there's there is so much potential, but once I started really researching of course, what has happened to newspapers and and print journalism and print media and basically any kind of print uh, with the digital revolution, then that subject in itself became just as fascinating as as the the actual murder mystery and what has happened to really the entire news industry over the past couple of decades. I, I just found that fascinating as well, so I was really pleased with how the book turned out and with all these topics at play in, in one place.
0: You worked in the Cuyahoga County Morgue uh, for uh, yes. several years, and you've said that the best five years of your life were spent in the county morgue. So tell me more <laughs> about that. Tell me why.
1: Um, I worked at the Cuyahoga County Coroner's Office and for about five years, and I was in the trace evidence department, so I was in the lab. We went out to crime scenes really only occasionally. Most of my work was in the lab. We worked mostly homicides, I mean because it was a, it was a coroner 's office if they weren 't dead they didn 't come to us <laughs> so, <laughs> so I looked at a lot of victims clothing I did uh, hair and fiber analysis, gunshot residue, paint, glass, a lot of blood typing et- et cetera so that was it was really fascinating because every day was different, it was hectic, it was exhausting. But uh, there was a lot of camaraderie there, and just you know the people there were fun and interesting and up- upbeat and sometimes exasperating and you know, mm-hmm. and uh, difficult. and it was it was just a fascinating place to be.
0: That's uh, an interesting description that they were upbeat. Um, that may be the first <laughs> time I've heard uh, anybody describe, well, the more people are just really upbeat. Uh, I would have thought they maybe got yeah. humor or something No no like
1: no. uh, my mother and my sister came to visit one time and you know they were expecting like I don't know something out of an old British horror movie or something you know some place <laughs> really like dark and dreary and and you know my uh my sister still laughs about she got there and I think the receptionist or one of the deaners or the deskman or something said, you know, she said, we'd like to look around, but we don't want to get in any trouble. And he said, oh, no, you can't get in trouble here. Just don't lie down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Don't take a nap anywhere. Just uh, yeah. you don't know what will happen, where you'll end up. What uh, When people <laughs> find out that you worked in a morgue for that long, what's the most common question that you're asked? What are people most interested to find out?
1: Oh, man. Well, usually, especially with teenagers, you get asked, what's the grossest thing you've ever seen? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, that's the first one. And with slightly older people, it's like, what's the most bizarre case you ever worked? And, and uh, people usually have a lot of questions about it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So do you watch things like uh, CSI and stuff like that on TV? And, and if so, is that, you know, looking for the mistakes or seeing if they get things accurate?
1: Um I haven't for quite some time. I mean, I watched them all when they you know, when they first came out. And uh yeah, it was it was kind of frustrating because it has had an effect on people. They think everything is so easy and there's you know a number of major misconceptions that those shows have created. And I, I hate to run them down, because I'm sure they were a major factor in how I got published in the first place, because it it got to be such a hot topic that it, it definitely helped my career, so I'm not going to criticize. And it's I will be eternally grateful that they make my job look glamorous, which it really isn't, but, you know, that's... And suddenly, when I went to parties, people wanted to talk to me. I mean, that completely revolutionized my life, but... <laughs> Probably the, the, the biggest misconceptions is that, uh, A, you can always find more evidence if you just look harder, which is not true. <laughs> it may be there. It may not be. You, mm-hmm. you're, you know, how much you want to find it really doesn't enter into it, uh, that anyone in any tiny police department in the, in the country can search a fingerprint and search everyone who has ever been fingerprinted in the entire United States including job applicants in military that has, even though you've seen that on TV, like for the past 50 years, that is not true, has never been true. That said, it may become true, you know, hopefully within my lifetime, maybe within like the next 10 years, uh, you know, at best. So Mm -hmm. it's possible, but it is not remotely reality yet. And that we have databases of like every substance known to man from wall paint to lipstick, you know, to motor oil and there's just this magic machine that you can pop it in and it will tell you what it is, who makes it, how many products they sold, and, you know, then tap into Macy's sales receipts and see how many they <laughs> sold in this area and who they sold them to and right. here's their driver's license. Picture. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's illegal. I, I don't think Macy's would care for that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think Revlon Lipstick would care for, you know, us knowing their formulas. I mean, you know, right, yeah. all these... Companies, this is this is how they make their living. They don't publish their formulas for everyone. You know, every
0: time they can hear you, have right. to ask. Although it's it's so. good, good to know hearing it from a professional in the field that Macy's is the place that's selling all of the stuff that's used in crime. So I'll keep that in <laughs> mind the next time my wife makes me go to Macy's. Um, so I'm just kidding. Macy's don't don't sue us. You know, um, mm-hmm. you had said earlier that a printing press struck you at, at some point. Uh, as a great setting for your book, Unpunished. Is that something that um, you go around and you see different places and you think, hey, this would be a, a great place for a murder? And then you turn to whoever you're with and you say, wouldn't this be interesting? Is that how your life goes <laughs> when you're a, a, a writer of uh, crime fiction?
1: Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, no. Um, I'm very drawn to places. It's like if I wasn't in the line of work I'm in, I, I would probably be an architect if I could handle the mathematics involved. Um, so I'm really into architecture and buildings and, and many times I, I focus my books around a place, you know, a, a big dramatic looking building or, or some sort of structure that works for me. And other times it's just, well, I, I started out with a newspaper. It's like, well, what's in a newspaper that's, big and dramatic and kind of dangerous is, you know, the printing press. It's a, it's a large, scary-looking, loud, you know, mm-hmm. lots of moving parts. And what's funny is that the last murder in the book, I was, but not having seen one at that point, I was planning to have somebody shoved into the, the cutters. I mean, I thought they would cut newspapers with these big, huge, chopping blades that would come down and, and cut reams of paper. And, you know, obviously that would be a very, very bloody gruesome death if someone got shoved into that until I actually visited the, um, the actually the Fort Myers, because I do live in, in uh, you know, Florida now. So the Fort Myers News Press gave me a tour of their plant. And newspapers are actually cut one sheet at a time by this little tiny round blade that You know, it's smaller than what you use to cut pizza. So I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. That wouldn't kill anybody. You know, the roller might mess up their hand. That that would be about it. So I had to completely rewrite that. But the nice um, printing supervisor there said, well, you know, there is this. And I, so I wound up using that for the last murder, which turned out to be just as bloody.
0: I have to say, I really enjoy the idea of you visiting somewhere and saying, oh, I'm very disappointed that this piece of equipment won't kill somebody. Do you have anything that will? What can you show me in a guillotine that might be just sitting around? Anything? I like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, Lisa Black, I want to thank you very much for talking to me today, and we'll look forward to you being at the Thurber House with Evenings with Authors on Thursday, September 21st. And um, have a great day with uh, all of the interesting and uh, perhaps a little bit terrifying stuff that you deal with on a daily basis.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: For more information from my guests, visit www.crafttheshow.com. This is Doug Dangler. Until next time, be creative.